This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. This is uh, going to be basically a bit of a therapy session. Um, I've got a good friend, David Wiener. You know him on the Clutch Fans forums and on Twitter as Bema Thug. Uh, he's an attorney here in Houston, knows the, the cap in and out. But today, he'll probably talk some about that. Um, we're going to talk about our Houston Rockets fandom and how it's being tested uh, because the Rockets have added a guy that uh, Houston fans have pretty much hated for a long time, and that's in Russell Westbrook, a blockbuster trade uh, that the Rockets made with OKC as OKC was completely tearing it down and rebuilding. Um, the Rockets give up Chris Paul, which is a little bit of a shock, and um, additional draft pick considerations, a 2024 and 2026 first-round picks. Both of them are top four protected uh, and then pick swaps in 2021 and 2025. Um, the 2025, I believe, is only a pick swap eligible if it's outside of the top 10. Um, so, David, first of all, welcome in. Thanks for having me, Dave. I, I, I think we can both be used to the therapy. Yeah, I'm, I am totally counting on you to uh, convince me not to walk off the ledge because, uh, you know, I, I wrote about this and, you know, Westbrook has been the guy that I, I love to hate. I think many Rocket fans have feel the same way. I mean, he's a guy who plays he plays with an incredible passion, but he's also very in your face. You love to see him sort of uh, implode, and I've enjoyed a lot of those type of moments. But it's not about that. There are plenty of guys. Draymond Green comes to mind, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, uh, Kawhi, that you could find reasons to hate, um, but you would love if the Rockets were able to acquire them. For me... Um, Westbrook is, and I've said this for years, I believe he's an extremely overhyped player. He's incredibly gifted athletically, um, you know, off the charts with his speed. I think uh, fast breaks are going to be fantastic here in Houston. Um, and he's he's got pretty good vision, turnover prone, but he's got pretty good vision. But he is a product of the usage. I think he's a poor man's Harden, significantly poor man's Harden, even though he's a different style. Um, and I don't know. I mean, both Harden and Westbrook's numbers are obviously going to go down this year. Um, how they balance this out, I really don't know. I've, I've looked and I found some positives, I believe. Um, but I think they're going to they're going to miss some things that Chris Paul brought to the table that Westbrook can't. Yeah, um, they're very different players, to be sure. Uh, Westbrook and Paul, uh, I think, you know, as we go hurdle by hurdle of, uh, of trying to get through and, and dissect this trade and and maybe you know i know you're looking at me to talk you off the ledge although i'm i'm not that far off the ledge myself <laughs> uh, you know you, you have the varying styles i think most people would agree talent wise that russell westbrook right now is a better player than chris paul right now <laughs> but how do how how do their relative playing styles mesh with this Rockets team? Uh, there's obviously, you know, so many possibilities to use either one of them. And I have confidence in Mike D'Antoni to, uh, to, to find good ways to use Westbrook. But, you know, my first concern was that y you have the, the shooting issue. Chris Paul is a, is a very good shooter. Westbrook is not. Yeah. I think, uh, Chris Paul is a better defender than Westbrook, although Westbrook has the physical ability to be a better defender. I just think Chris Paul might be the smartest defender in the NBA. Um, and then you just have, you know, overall hoops IQ. I, I, like, I'll give Westbrook his hops. He, he's a smart player, even though he makes dumb plays. The guy 
guy knows the game really well, but you're talking about, you know, maybe Chris Paul and LeBron James are the two smartest basketball players alive. Um, so you're, you're definitely losing a lot with Chris Paul. And, uh, also how do their games age? I, I mean, even though Paul's three and a half years older than Westbrook, you know, even two years from now, who's going to be a better player? I, I, I wouldn't bet against a much older Chris Paul being a better player than Russell Westbrook even two years from now. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely feel the same way. I actually disagree. I actually think Chris Paul's a better player than Westbrook today. But I think it, it's it's similar to – I know you're going to laugh about this, but people talking about when Jeremy Lin and Patrick Beverly were, were going at it for um, – the starting position and people were saying, Hey, you know, Jeremy Lin's a way better player than Beverly. And I think that there's, there were certain things as far as fit that just were completely not valued properly. Uh, you know, and I'm going to get to positives. I promise. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to bring everybody down about this. Um, oh, don't worry. We still have some more negatives to get. There. Yeah, no, we do. We do. <laughs> we definitely do. Um, I, I want to talk first before we jump into that. Um, about really, I, I feel like the Rockets overpaid here, and I know there were there was a lot of backlash uh, from fans from for what I wrote about this being a high price. I actually feel the Rockets paid a high price, and and people were dismissing this as, hey, you know, this picks in the mid twenties. Daryl Morey uh, doesn't value picks; he doesn't do well with picks anyway. Blah blah blah. This is these are picks in 2024 and 2026, and that 2026 pick. I mean, go back seven years. And that's before Harden was even on the Rockets. So it's going to tell you that in seven years from now, it's going to be radically different. So, yes, it's top four protected. And believe it or not, that is fantastic because it at least protects you if you happen to land one of the elite, um, you know, picks uh, in that draft. But, you know, you lose your ability in 2022 and thereabout to move picks because you don't have any. You know, you, you, you can't move the 2025 because it's sandwiched between 24 and 26. Can't move 27, can't move 23. So, I, you know, people talk about us oh, really not a big deal. You, you, uh, you definitely took some chips out of the game, and th- they went all in. And I mean all in. This is not like Ty Lawson where you gave up, you know, a, a one first-round pick or, um, you know, any other move like a, like a Shumpert deal where you gave up a first-round pick to get into the cap. You, you went all in, and you gave up assets out into the future. Um, and it's not just about me loving the draft and loving picks. It's it's really about the Rockets tying their hands. And I'm just not convinced, um, honestly, with, with some of the ownership and, and the way that they jumped to this deal, that, that Daryl Morey will even be here by then. So it, it makes me nervous that we're all judging Tillman Fertitta right now based on things that he's done. And the, the luxury tax thing never bothered me because I understood the reasoning for it. Jumping to Russell Westbrook does give me concern. Uh, we can definitely agree that the draft compensation included in this trade was vastly more than either one of us would feel comfortable giving up if we were the general manager uh, or, I guess, the owner. Um, I, I'm with you, Dave, that the 24 and 26 picks are could those could be devastating losses. Um, again, to, to to the Rockets' credit. Top four protecting those, which is something the Clippers couldn't do with Oklahoma City when they traded for Paul George. Top four protecting those is critical because especially with the new lottery system, even if you're like one of the better non-playoff teams, you have a decent chance of jumping up into that top four. So they've protect themselves from an absolutely catastrophic loss. Uh, so that, you know, let's say we go back to the, Aaron Brooks, Luis Scola days, and we're constantly getting the 14th pick, you know, is that going to destroy the franchise? No, but that also limits your ability to to rebuild later. But yeah, this is an all-in move. Uh, I think the pick swaps to may hurt, but I think they've they've structured the pick swaps so that they're going to be a little bit painful, but not that bad. Uh, and, and, and possibly non-existent if the Rockets continue to play at a very high level for the next few years. Yeah. But yeah, th- those two picks out into the future are pretty big chips to throw into the table here for a guy that, quite frankly, has a pretty bad contract, in my opinion. Yes. Just given the size. I mean, he, he and Chris Paul have identical salaries for the next three years but westbrook's player option goes another year at 47 million 
Correct. So, so from a contract standpoint, I understand that Chris Paul's older, and if you're looking at this as two trades, one getting off of Chris Paul's contract and the other getting Russell Westbrook, maybe you have to up the pick compensation because it's not like you were trading you know, Clint Capella on a really team-friendly long-term deal. Um, so that, that mitigates some of the, you know, analysis there against, uh, against the Rockets here that, that they were going to have to give up a little bit more to get off of Chris Paul's contract. But something no one's really talking about right now, uh, just from the contractual standpoint is that a lot of the reasoning behind ducking the tax last season was to avoid the repeater tax during the Chris Paul era. Right. Had three right. years left. And by, but now you've added a guy on the same contract with a fourth year at 47 million. So there's a very decent chance if the Rockets don't duck the tax another year, they're going to have to pay the repeater tax in, in 2022, 23. Yeah. Uh, so, so they're back in it again. And, you know, I, for one, would like to see the Rockets pay the tax, not for the sake of paying the tax, but, you know, if they're really going all in, they need to they need to make sure they spend, even if it's a little bit painful on the tax. And unfortunately, they may get bit in the butt on the back end of the Harden era, just because if to put in perspective, Harden, Westbrook and Capella, just those three players are going to make almost one hundred and thirteen million dollars in the 2022-23 season. Jeez. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought well, Westbrook was a negative value contract. I thought this trade um, reminded me or taught me that uh, Daryl Morey's not in complete control here. I mean, I, I think Daryl Morey should be running the basketball operations side, but obviously James Harden called this shot. Tillman supported him. Again, I'm sure Daryl was on board in, in, in some way, but uh, this he had to make this trade, I, I think, to to make James Harden happy. Um, you know, the the – rumors of of having issues with chris paul i think chris paul was probably willing to to move on i don't think james harden was i i don't know i'm just speculating on that but um i to me i think they went from uh from you know maybe a a little bit of a sticky situation to a to a worse one um well i will say this three things that we don't know among many things we don't know but are uh you know number one you know what what were were the rockets opinions of chris paul's long term health you know repeated hamstring injuries uh, th- those injuries tend to recur if they were legitimately concerned that chris paul could not stay healthy through a season and a playoff run that as great a talent as he is if he if you did not have confidence that he could be there by the time you get to the NBA finals, I understand having to move and, and, and seek what may be the only possible upgrade slash quasi lateral move you could do with Harden in Harden's prime. Number two, we don't know the full extent of the Harden Paul relationship. I'm inclined to uh, believe the Tim McMahon piece that, Correct. yeah, there was friction. But that's, you know, that's typical when you have multiple alpha dogs. We talked about on our last podcast that, that, you know, are they, are they going to get along great on the court? Probably not, but that wasn't going to be a reason to blow up the team. Who knows? Maybe it was a little bit worse than we thought. Uh, we, we just don't know. And then third, you know, how much of this, I, I think we, most people agree that it, it, this was a heavy pressure from Harden, heavy pressure from the Fertitas. But we also, you know, in fairness to Daryl Morey uh, and in fairness to the Fertitas and to James Harden, we, they, they may have all been on the same page. We don't – we shouldn't – you know, you and I are both Daryl Morey fans, and we shouldn't just paint this with a broad brush that, oh, if, if we think it's a bad move, then there's no way that Daryl Morey could have been for it. You know, they may have all been on the same page. So I don't want to necessarily completely defend Daryl against the trade that I didn't particularly love. Um, so, the, you know, the, there may have been a united front there. Okay. Maybe I'm going to stick with the other side. <laughs> I'm going to feel like Harden forced their hand, but, I, but that's fine. That's the, just my personal opinion on this, uh, situation. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously we're basing judgments about the Fertitas under new ownership on, on just a short sample size. Um, but I have my concerns. I really do. Um, 
I want to ask you about how they can expand this. And maybe this trade ends up looking better if they're able to, you know, add another player. We've dreamed about a Robert Covington from Minnesota. Um, you know, Andre Iguodala, obviously from Memphis. Looks like Memphis wants a first-round pick in exchange for him, which would be a purely genius move if they're able to get a first-round pick to absorb him and then a first-round pick to swap him out. Um, but that appears to be what the holdup is on some things. But take me through how the Rockets can can use this trade to add another piece uh, to the roster. Okay, sure. So for any large NBA trade, uh, the the salary matching rules are that the um, a team cannot take back more in salary than 125% of the outgoing salary plus $100,000. Well, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook happen to be two of the highest paid players in the NBA. Their contracts are so huge that a 25% difference is almost $10 million. (laughs) So even without adding any outgoing salary to the, to the Rockets, they could take in a player making almost $10 million and the trade would still be legal. So yeah, Jeremy Grant sure would have been nice, huh? Yes, that would have been that. I think he would have fit in almost exactly uh, to the difference. Jeez. Uh, I may be off by a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, but, well, I wish James Harden had made a demand maybe a week or two sooner. You know, maybe something would have happened. But yeah. well, then, remember they got another first round pick. So were you willing to throw in another first round pick into that trade? Well, obviously I didn't like the price for Westbrook, but yeah, I would give up my 2020. First round pick for Jeremy Grant, yes, and and they, you know, as far as first round picks, you know this, but I'm explaining to the audience as well. You're giving up your first your, your first round pick this year, or maybe even the year after that. That's one thing, but when you're giving them up way out into the future, that's a truly scary thing. I know some people dismissed it completely, but if if you know what's what's in front of you, giving up that first round pick, that's that's fine. If you're getting an asset that you're willing that, that's going to fit your team, Jeremy Grant is well worth a first round pick if you're able to scoop somebody like that up with a 20th pick of the draft, you're doing pretty well. So to me, um, that's well worth it. Of course, I didn't like the price they paid for Westbrook, so it would have ended up being three first-round picks, but I would have given up my 2020 pick for Grant, yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the, your 20, 21, maybe even 22 picks, you're looking at picks that are probably going to be somewhere in the 20s. Correct. Uh, hopefully, now, hopefully the 2020 pick is going to be in the late 20s. Um, but yeah, as you get further out, you know, we may be – venturing into the into the teens although i i'm i have somewhat high level of confidence that that especially given that they're out these picks that the the rockets will continue to compete uh after the hard uh, after harden's prime so that those picks are not going to be you know that's not going to be the seventh pick we it might be the 13th pick or the 19th pick or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. I think there's confidence, assuming hopefully that, you know, the Rockets still have this, in my opinion, excellent front office in place, um, that they, you know, and they have a great location for free agents. Both of those guys could come off the books, although one could decide to opt in, the other could decide to opt out. Um, I, I believe the Rockets will manage that, but you, you never know. I mean, we've had years in the past where the Rockets have hit the lottery, and now more than ever, uh, you have a better chance of getting up in that top four uh, picks, but uh, of course that's protected. Yeah, yeah. and then to, to, to get to, to answer your question more fully, the um, you know the difference is almost ten million. But once you start adding in other players, you add in a couple small salaries like a an Isaiah Hartenstein. And uh, by the way, the Rockets uh, apparently Kelly Eco is reporting that the the Rockets and and Hartenstein have agreed to move back his guarantee date. His, his contract was 50% guaranteed and was supposed to fully guarantee if he wasn't waived by Monday or uh, by uh, July 15. And that's a little fishy to me that they both agreed to extend that date, which might indicate that he, he may or may not be included in trade because otherwise I, I don't see why the, the G league finals MVP, who's a promising young center and who counts less against the luxury tax than any other player that they have on their roster could possibly do because he's a second round pick why they wouldn't fully guarantee his contract unless he maybe is going to another team. That's all speculation on my part, but I did find that very curious. But anyway, 
I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say G League Finals MVP, man. That's that's awesome. I think we need hey, man, you man, talking man. to any of these teams who want to buy, who want to get Hartenstein. We definitely need you on that sales call. That's right. It's, it's, it's G League Finals MVP, Isaiah Hartenstein, to you, sir. Yeah, and that's uh, one G League Finals MVP more than Steph Curry has. Just keep that in mind. That's that's true. I'll, I'll guarantee you Daryl Morey is on the phone right now saying that exact thing. <laughs> um, so you, you could include a Hardenstein, you can include a Gary Clark, Chris Chioza, Michael Frazier. You have to agree with these players who are on partially or non-guaranteed contracts to to guarantee more of their salary to make the trades work. But more likely than not, if you called up Michael Frazier's agent and said, hey, would you like to have two-thirds of his salary guaranteed, they're probably not going to turn you down. Yeah. Um, but if you, the more of these salaries you add, the more that, that 125% grows. So if you wanted like a Robert Covington who makes like 11 million plus, you really only need to add one minimum player outgoing to bring in Covington in a, in a three team trade. Yeah. Just as long as you're expanding that, that, that trade. And I, I have to imagine given the creativity of the Rockets front office, that they are absolutely exploring these sorts of options. Yeah, you know who uh, I killed to get. I, I would, and I, you guys, you know, and as well as a few others, uh, you know, that that morning before Westbrook, I was talking about how we could get Justice Winslow and Stephen Adams in this package deal involving Capella and a sign and trade and, and pick. And you know, it was a reach, but dude, Justice Winslow, if if somehow, I doubt it, but if Miami was willing to part there with Winslow for uh, in a Paul trade. Um, you know, I'd sweeten the pot there again to get Winslow. I think he'd be outstanding here. Covington is obviously jumps right off the page because Gerson's there now, has a great relationship with Daryl. I think that they probably have a high value on him, and I also think he's the prime trade piece uh, with Golden State to, to maybe get D'Angelo Russell. So I'm not sure they're willing to to give that up for just a first rounder or more, heaven forbid. <laughs> but um, I think that that's exactly. I think that's exactly what the holdup is. They're trying to acquire another piece here. This is a way to add salary, and they need mid-tier salary, frankly, uh, you know, to going into at, beyond December fifteenth and into the trade deadline. Um, any any thoughts on the cap related before we jump into how Russell Westbrook is going to fit on this Rockets team, and he's just going to be this outstanding fit? You and I both know it, right? Um. Well, uh, cap. Well, we can talk about that in a second. Uh, cap, <laughs> cap wise. Um, I mean, like you said, they may they may want to get themselves a couple mid tier salaries so that they can actually make a trade. At least they had, you know, Brandon Knight's big contract, although it was a very negative asset. Um, it'd be nice to be able to have those salaries that to, to put together and, and and put a trade together. Right now, it's all core salary pieces or small non guaranteed deals, and then a couple of your free agents you just signed. Um, the trade itself, from a cap standpoint, it's it's for this year is 100% cap neutral. Uh, Westbrook makes exactly what Chris Paul made. Uh, it doesn't hard cap the Rockets. They have the exact same exception, salary cap exceptions they had before the trade. So nothing's really changed as far as maneuverability, uh, other than the fact that they don't have those distant into the future picks to trade now. Um, but uh, I, I think... We'll see that all the good free agents are like the really good free agents are off the board. So odds are they're not going to use their non-taxpayer mid-level. Uh, they'll stick with the taxpayer mid-level uh, to avoid a hard cap. Uh, they've used most of that on Daniel House. And again, we complained last year the Rockets didn't use their didn't really use their taxpayer mid-level. They use it on Hardenstein, some other minimum caliber deals. But they really use most of it on House and to their credit, they, they paid up to keep house. And my guess is they're going to keep the remainder of the taxpayer mid-level to, to reserve for like a Chris Clemens or a Shamari Pons or some other guy who impresses in the G League that they want to either call up and sign to a three-year deal or who's on a two-way and they want to convert him and give him a little bit more money than they could have offered Daniel House last year. So I think that's probably where they're going to allocate their resources from a cap standpoint. Everything else would be veteran minimum signings. And so with that, <laughs> with that, I'm ready to talk Westbrook on the court. Yeah, I forgot. They, the, is uh, the baby Westbrook, Trayvon Duvall, still hanging around uh, the Rockets? I don't, I don't know if he's 
still out there. Maybe he'll I be. I think he's, he's technically an unrestricted free agent, but he was on their summer league ro- uh, yeah. roster. So. Okay, so he might be with the Vipers uh, this year. We'll see. Um, you know, we talked about all the negatives, so I'll get those out of the way. I, I do see some positives. Obviously, I wouldn't have made this. I just want to make sure, are, 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 is anyone still listening to this podcast? I promise <laughs> we're going positive. They're, yeah, they, I'm sure they've turned it off by now. But, um, you know, uh, obviously, like I said, I wouldn't have made this trade, but I do feel certain things can improve. I think their offensive efficiency is going down. They hit 114.9 last year, which was out, absolutely outrageous, like point one points per 100 possessions behind the Golden State Warriors. Um, they've been number one or number two in each of the last three years. I do think we're going to see some slippage. However, I think your small ball lineups have some absolute terror potential. I mean, I think having Westbrook both attack the re- attack the boards, which has been an issue, and getting out on that board and, and running um, is going to add a wrinkle to the Rockets that they didn't have. I mean, Chris Paul would get out and run, but it was more uh, – you know, using his smarts. Westbrook is just a bull for 94 feet, and um, we'll, you know, he'll he'll run through defenses, and sometimes he'll be reckless, sometimes he'll turn it over, but the Rockets need that threat. I think it's been lacking. Teams have been able to sag off knowing that you know transition points really aren't there, um, you know, and so that that adds a lot, I think, to the team. I do worry a little bit about, I think, I, personally, my personal belief is uh, Westbrook's going to have to take the reins because I don't think he's an off-ball player at all. As far as him playing off-ball, being a spot-up three-point shooter, the Rockets took a major hit here. If Harden gets a double team, kicks it out to an open Westbrook for three, as opposed to an open Chris Paul for three, there's a significant drop in efficiency there. Um, so I think Westbrook's going to be running the, the show more, and I think they're going to have to figure out a balance uh, you know, using picks, using just, uh, you know, drawing doubles and kicking out that they're going to have to attack the basket because Westbrook's attacks of the basket, his alley-oop passes, his kickouts for three, they can be great here. But if defenses are going to sag off of him and dare him to shoot three-pointers like like they did in the playoffs, the, the, both the Blazers and, and Jazz did that and frustrated him, um, we'll see how it works out. But I do think you brought in uh, uh, basically a lead point guard here. And, and Harden is going to be more off the ball than he was before. Obviously, he's going to be you know, running the show uh, some at times, especially when Westbrook's taking a, uh, a seat. But I think Westbrook's your point guard. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with almost everything you said, Dave, that, that uh, he does give you some, some elements you didn't have before. Uh, he absolutely is going to have to run point. Uh, he's, he's, he and Harden are both notorious for not being very good off-ball players. Uh, but I think Harden has the potential to be a very, very good off-ball player um, w- playing with Res- uh, with Westbrook. Um, there, he helps you rebounding. Um, if you're playing a switching scheme, I'm hopeful that Westbrook's defense is going to be better in that scheme than it was in Oklahoma City scheme, just because he, you know, he can. It, he's not going to get lost as easily. Um, a lot of, of his benefits going to de- depend on the other three guys on the court, other three to four guys on the court. If you surround him with shooters, I think Westbrook's going to be great. Uh, I think Oklahoma City had a little too many. He, they had too many of those long-rangey athletes that the Rockets w- would love to get one or two of and not enough of the shooters that the Rockets do have. So, you know, playing with like an Eric Gordon is going to be great for Westbrook. Absolutely. You know, so when he penetrates, you know, he's either going to collapse the defense and, and find wide open shooters so they can actually knock down shots or he's just going to create havoc at the rim. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the offensive potential with Westbrook is, is going to be really, really good. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about that. Uh, I think D'Antoni's going to find schemes so that, you know, Westbrook's not going to be a jump shooter. He's going to be a guy who creates. I also certainly hope that he staggers. Westbrook and Harden's minutes as much as possible. I'd like Harden to not have to play as much as he has in years past. Yeah, there's no MVP pursuit for either player this year. They're both out. They're not. Neither one's winning an MVP this year, so there's no reason to push. push and push. that's one of my big. That's one of my big things for this season. James Harden has. It wasn't Russell Westbrook too. Neither of them have anything else to prove. Especially Harden. Every single. MVP voter gave him a first or second place finish. He's got nothing left to prove. I don't want any more 
MVP campaigns other than in the natural course of winning basketball games. I don't want the unguardable tour anymore. I don't want things where it was obviously such a burden on Harden last year. I want them to just play play good basketball on both ends, win games, and you know I'd rather have a Steph Curry. Kevin Durant situation where everyone recognizes that both of those guys are two of the absolute best players in the league, but they're not winning the MVP because they're both so great and we win 60 games and someone else put up bigger stats on a team that is winning six fewer games than us. Yeah, yeah I, I think I even said this last year. I think Steph Curry wins the MVP this year simply because uh, Durant is gone. Uh, and now with even some of those injuries, he's just going to put up incredible numbers. He's going to keep them afloat, and people are going to praise him like crazy. I think a lot of these pairings in the league are going to eliminate uh, candidates, and I think definitely Harden and Westbrook, MVP's out. So I don't think I, you're right. I 100% agree with you there that uh, those guys need, don't need to be focusing on that. They need to be, you know, hey, load management becomes an issue, then let's start doing that. Um, whatever it takes, because these guys have got to be healthy, rested, ready to go come playoff time. Um, the, the competition's great. And I, I pointed this out on Twitter, but it still amazes me that we could see a West Finals, assuming, you know, there, there's plenty of options in the West. Utah, the Lakers, the Clippers, they're all great. Um, Denver as well, and Portland's interesting. But we could see a West Finals that is Westbrook versus Beverly, and we're on the other side now. That that blows my mind, man, because, like, we were so Team Bev and so – you know, anti Westbrook that it blows my mind that now both of these teams are still extremely competitive contenders and we could be on the opposite side. Now that, that, uh, that tells you how crazy the NBA is, how fun it is. Um, I've never seen, well, let, let me get, let me get something off my chest here. First of all, I'm always going to be team Bev, not versus another player, but I just generally, yeah. I'm always going to be team Bev, but, uh, but, I want to set the record straight on – I know you've made your feelings about – your past feelings about Russell Westbrook very, very clear. I have always admired Russell Westbrook as a player. I think he's a phenomenal talent. And even during the even during the 2017 MVP campaign, I never had an issue with Russell Westbrook at all. It was the voters' mystification with – the fact that he put up three stats that were at least as many as the number of fingers they had on their hands. Yeah. Um, and, and it was all with the voters, not with Westbrook. I, he does not come in as a player I hate any more than, you know, I hated Luis Scola when he was on the Argentine, Argentinian national team before he came to the NBA. I hated his guts, but he's one of my all-time favorite players now. You know, so I, I am very much looking forward to rooting my guts out for Russell Westbrook on the rock. So I got a question for you. If he takes the reins and he's the point guard, does he average a triple double this year? If he does, he does. I'm not rooting for it. Yeah. If he does, I suddenly respect that. If he does, and it's not because Clint Capella and PJ Tucker are ordered to box their men out on free throw so he can jump in to get the defensive rebound, right. then I'm fine. Right. Exactly. Well, by know, the way, Prediction prediction number one for the next NBA season is Stephen Adams is going to have a career high in rebound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I tell you, I, that's the best positive I can cling to on this is I think your small ball lineups have enormous potential. Uh, so I like that factor of adding Westbrook. Certainly it's fun. It's crazy. I agree with all of those things. I don't think it's smart, but that's okay. I'm still on board. I'm always going to be a Rocket fan. And, you know, like I said, once he puts on that jersey, we're going to be all Team Westbrook. We're going to be in. Uh, he's going to be, you know, part of this team. And um, it's – Well, it's, now, now, look, Dave, I, I do have to say this, that I think the ceiling for this team is higher than it was a week ago. Yeah. And, and, and I, the ceiling, the floor is lower, but the ceiling is higher and – you know, for for as much as I did not like the value, that if you, if you think it, Chris Paul had come back in better shape, let me interrupt you, sir. If he had come back in better shape and 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 played better this year, you think they had a lower ceiling than the, this current Rockets team? It, it, yeah, but I think uh, within your realistic range, I think odds are that Chris Paul was going to miss time due to injury, and that it was. Was a it was a substantial risk whether he would make it through another playoff run. That's fine. That's uh, true. And, and and 
just given the realistic range, I think the team has a better chance to win the championship this season. And to the Rockets' credit, they they went all in. They went a little more all in than neither of us would feel comfortable with. But I think the team is better. And for those who say, well, even to increase your championship odds, you know, a, a fraction of a percent, you do anything. Well, I mean, come on, let's be reasonable. You, they wouldn't have given four unprotected uh, picks and three unprotected picks. Well, they, they wouldn't do that. So there, there, there is a price that you wouldn't be willing to pay. And the price that the Rockets were willing to pay was a little higher than what the two of us would be willing to pay. Yeah. But the price has been paid. The Rockets are not going to unwind this trade. The price has been paid. And if we're looking at the product that's going to be on the court next season, I do think that they have increased their title. Up. Well, I tell you, if they get a, if they get a Covington, a Winslow, those are, those are pie in the sky options. This is a, I like the team quite a bit. They add a, a player of that caliber to a lesser extent, Iguodala. I think Iguodala is also a poor shooter, but he certainly does a lot of great things. Very good defender. You're going to need defensive players against uh, a handful of teams this year, next year. Um, so adding an Iggy or a Covington, I think is pretty important to this team. Um, you know, you're going up against Paul George and Kawhi. That's, that's a tough stop. Um, you know, you're going up against, uh, Anthony Davis and, and LeBron, that's that's tough. And I think Utah this year is gonna is sneaky brutal. I mean, they're they, they filled the holes that they had on that team. If the Rockets were able to exploit extensively, they can't do that anymore. They can't you know abuse that too big lineup with Gobert and Favors. Um, they can't abuse the fact that Ricky Rubio can't shoot and, and they can sag off of him. Conley adds so much now to that team. Bogdanovich as well. That's going to be a really interesting team. The West is loaded. I mean, it's it's awesome. And so maybe the Rockets felt a little bit of sense of desperation in making this move. I hope the ceiling's as high as you envision it uh, to be. I would like to see Westbrook have his best three-point shooting year since his MVP season when he shot 34-plus percent, still below league average. But it's by far and away his best season in the last five. He shot under 30 in, all the, in the other four. So I think – you know, to add a guy who shoots under 30% at $45 million, you gave up future picks to get him. It's hard to see how that fits into Rocket Ball. So he's going to have to do a lot of things and change his game in a way um, that he hasn't up to this point, I think, to really have an impact on the Rockets. And I'm not ruling it completely out. You know, let me put it this way. I know from talking to people at OKC that Russell Westbrook ran that OKC Thunder organization top to bottom the same way James Harden does here in Houston, 100%. He's coming here to Houston where Harden runs that show, and obviously it's going to be both of them to some extent, but this is going to be a little bit humbling for him because he he doesn't have that kind of pull just yet. And so I think he's going to have to work to fit in. I'm very curious to see where Dan Tony goes with this. And let me ask you this. You know, Sam Amick reported that the Rockets have, have given up on extension uh, talks for now with Dan Tony. Obviously that hasn't worked out. Do you think this is a lame duck year for him and he's going to have to, to prove it with these two? I mean, I, I, do Willie have to prove it? Sure. I mean, if if he does a bad job coaching this year, he probably is gone. But and, and uh, who do you bring in to, to to coach those two? Right, right. Uh, I mean, but at least they will have had a year with a very, very coach in D'Antoni for him to give him the opportunity to prove himself. He's either gonna fail or he's gonna succeed. If he fails, then they probably look another direction. Uh, or he succeeds, then, you know, my, and I think Tillman Fertitta has gone on record as saying this, uh, among the smarter things that he's gone on record as saying that, look, I hope he costs me a bunch of money. I hope he proves me wrong and I end up having to pay more than I would have in these extension talks. Um, which that's my hope too. I hope Tillman Fertitta loses a few million dollars extra because he didn't lock him up this summer because D'Antoni does a fantastic job this year. The Rockets win a championship and they're forced to bring him back at double what they were paying him before. Um, I think if but, yeah, I, I think he's <laughs> I think he's set up to be the guy to go under the bus. If they disappoint, he's the scapegoat and move on to the next coach. And then you now have a reason to be optimistic again about this pairing and what they could do. I think he's being set up, to be honest, but we'll see. Um, I I love D'Antoni. I love what he's done, but this task ahead of him is is daunting. He's got great talent, but it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, but I mean, isn't that if you're a coach, isn't that all you want? I mean, uh, forget the long term financial security, but just on the on as far as your job and the task at hand, isn't that what any coach wants? Is to have supreme 
uh, talent to coach? Yeah, sure, sure. But I think he's had you know that supreme talent, like the Lakers, different injuries and crumbling situations. I'm just saying you still got to have pieces that fit, and, and uh, yeah, that's what he wants. I mean, I think I, I would have to assume D'Antoni was on board with this in some fashion, in the same way that, that uh, Daryl Morey would be. Um, so here we go, you know, but, uh, we'll see. I, I just think, um, I'm optimistic about a few things. I'm discouraged about others, but I think, uh, it, it certainly won't lack, um, from excitement. There's going to be a lot to watch this year, but I don't want to see people panic. Oh, Russell Westbrook's, uh, you know, he's only averaging 19 points this year. Uh, these guys, their numbers are going to go down. Their usage was crazy high for individual teams. Both of them are going to see an adjustment in those numbers. So, you know, all on the lines of why we said they're not they're not going to be MVP candidates this year. They're both going to have to make sacrifices to their box scores, to their stat lines for this team to win. Um, and I really- the, the only numbers that, that James Harden and Russell Westbrook need to be judged by next season are wins and losses. Exactly. Exactly. That, and, I, and you're right. But I, I just really sort of mentioned that to the fans because I think, you know, Chris Paul. When, when, let me put it this way. Everyone talked about all year about how they never should have signed to the four-year deal. And there were people at the time they signed to a four-year deal saying, hey, the last couple of years are going to be rough. You and I talked about that on the podcast. I, let, 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 me, let, me, let me correct you there, Dave. I said that the moment they traded for him, that the contract he was inevitably going to get a year later was going to be painful on the back end. Well, let, let me say this. We all knew it would be painful on the back end. Did anyone expect it to be painful in the first year? Not many. And so what uh, I'm getting at is Westbrook. I mean, there's been some signs of decline as well. When you once you start to decline, it shows, and it's it's just there. And so, uh, you know, you never know when it's going to come. And so, uh, in my opinion, it's a long deal, long contract, but I think there should be a short leash on the on them uh, showing that they could do it. I don't think that they ride this out because I think Westbrook at 34, if he loses that that athleticism, that that hop, that that step. Um, He's not going to be a, a good player. I mean, he's not going to be Chris Paul uh, when he, when he's lost a step. It's a radically different skill set. I won't argue with you there. <laughs> well, I don't want to end on a negative note. Like I said, we're going to have a fun season. It's going to be interesting, and I'll, I'll I'll get on board with this. I I just when I saw the pick up, when I saw they even got Westbrook, I was stunned. But when I saw the pick obligations, I mean, my heart just sank. I'm like, I honestly felt that this was a reaction to what the LA teams did. Um, and I don't put Russell Westbrook in anywhere in the class of a Paul George or an, uh, Anthony Davis. And so I was discouraged. But I, you know, I, I'm open to the possibilities. I'm open to the fact that the Rockets, um, they may have, you know, they, even though if they took a step back and rocket ball as far as smart play and moving the ball around, shooting open threes, maybe they took a step back because they, they're now playing significant minutes, a guy who really can't shoot threes. But maybe what he can bring can open up new things. Big part of rocket ball is still attacking the basket, get to the free throw line. And he's extremely efficient attacking the basket. So there's positives there. Um, let's see. If, if the Rockets win a championship this year and next, very few people are going to care about those picks. I mean, I you agree. and I probably I still agree. will, but, but, but I'll be happy to pay the price. But that's what I'm saying. It's, it's championship or bust. And people say, oh, it's always been championship or bust. Well, you've never sacrificed the future like this. And so I'm saying, yeah, that's you win a championship. It was all worth it, and I agree with that. But if you don't, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be rough three four years from now uh, as a Rocket fan. I think them trying to finagle certain things because they gave up these picks. I mean, yeah, Brooklyn came out of that looking good, but they had some brutal years in there because of that trade. Uh, so you know, and, and even though it's not to that extent, I know what the Rockets did is not quite as bad as as what Brooklyn did. But uh, you know, you can see the downside of that. So. We'll see. I, I'm uh, I'm excited about the possibilities. I've I've warmed up to it uh, more than I imagined at this point in the game. Um, I just I just wish the Rockets had paid less or really not even made the move at all. But if they're going to do it, <laughs> if they're going to do it, uh, you know, let's. I, I'm I'm excited to see what they can come up with. So would you say that maybe you've taken a step and a half? back further off the ledge further from the ledge uh yeah i think a little bit i mean like i said i said this in the article i i I still believe it i think chris paul today is and i know you disagree is better than russell westbrook today i think westbrook does things that people that make people go oh wow i mean that's he's way better than chris paul and i understand that his skill set is is different i think for a guy playing alongside james harden and doing the things that the rockets do i'd rather have chris paul but 
like I said, that doesn't mean the Rockets have to be this structured. And he might add a wrinkle that I am not anticipating. I still see the small ball lineups as as something where the ceiling went way up, like you said. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm keeping an open mind, but I just, I, you know, you know my feelings about it. I think everyone else does. Um, and I'm hopeful that I'm wrong and that this is turns out to be a great trade. And if it doesn't, I'm hopeful, you know, knock on wood, looking at a team like the Knicks that, you know, maybe they can move Westbrook and recover some of those assets if it does not work out. Um, but I said this in the article as well. There has to, even though James Harden is a great player, there has to be some responsibility here for, for, uh, on him if this doesn't work out. Uh, he handpicked Chris Paul two years later, discarded him, has now handpicked Westbrook, his, his buddy. Um, so, you know, at some point, the, the front office has got to run things, not, not uh, James Harden. But He's a great player. You got to, you know, if you want to keep your stars happy, you got to do what they're what they're requesting. So that's what happened here. But uh, we'll see. I'm going to give it a chance, and I'll stop talking and let you uh, let you close it out. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll try to finish on a more positive note. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I think the Rockets have, for regardless of the price that was paid, I think they have increased their title odds in the short term. Uh, I absolutely love Chris Paul as a player. I think, I, I think I, I'm with you in that I appreciate his game maybe more than I appreciate Russell Westbrook's game. But I also feel that, and obviously the Rockets feel this way, that, that the swap here makes them more likely to win the championship this year or next year, which is really, this is the time they, you know, they really need to go all in. Let, hopefully Tillman Fertitta is willing to pay the luxury tax. Hopefully they can expand this team out of third, uh, expand this trade out of third team, get another player, even if it costs you another pick or two. Uh, the, the goal is to put the absolute best team on the floor this season that you can. Otherwise, you know, the trade makes, is, is, the trade makes no sense if you don't do that. Yeah, so we'll 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 see what other moves they make. I do like some of the other moves they made this offseason, and I think that they have the ability to add another significant piece, uh, another rotation player. I, I do think the team they have right now is very very good and, and and could possibly win the championship right now. It'd be great if they could add that one more piece. Uh, their position to be able to do it. It's just a matter of finding the right team, finding the right price. They may not succeed in doing that, but they're well positioned. And, you know, I'm, I'm, the, the, the trade's done. I'm all in now going forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, we didn't mention this, but the house and rivers additions, sneaky, great ads. I mean, for, for the price they got them at. Uh, even Anthony Bennett is intriguing coming, coming out of the G League where he pretty much dominated from three point range. Uh, I think this is a guy who's kind of reminds me a little bit of a Michael Beasley type in that he's really more of an offensive player. He's not going to give you a ton of defense, um, but he's he's big. He's you know for he's not a guard, I should say. He's not necessarily a, a big as far as big men go, but he's you know a guy who could play three some four, um, and he can shoot. I mean, really shoot in the G League. Shot 45% from three point range last year. Uh, that was a good addition. And as far as Chris Paul. I personally think Miami should go for him. I think he'd be good there in Miami. I don't know what the price would be. I'm sure OKC just wants to to completely tank and get him off the books, so so the shortest salaries as possible. Goran Dragic, uh, what have you? It makes frankly, it makes Dragic a, a possible flip candidate or um, a buyout candidate for them as well. Uh, so. You know, to me, I, I, I think he's still a very good player, and he would fit very, very well with Jimmy Butler and some of the pieces that they have there. Um, we'll see. It's going to be a very fun season. Who, who doesn't want to see James Harden go against Chris Paul this year? Who doesn't want to see the Clipper-Rocket matchup? It's going to be absolutely – I mean, you know Russ is taking that matchup extremely personally. Um, and, of course, you know, we want to go at OK, we want to go at Golden State, Utah, Denver, Portland, you know, Brooklyn when Durant comes back. Um, it's it, it, Philly is going to be loaded. It's it's going to be a great great NBA season, and I'm excited about that. A lot of change, a lot of fun things that uh, for us to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't know we were going to talk about other free agency moves, but uh, I, I do want to say that uh, the contrary to what the majority of Rockets fans seem to be thinking about, the Rockets not doing anything. I actually was very happy with their offseason 
even before the Westbrook trade, or especially before the Westbrook trade. Yeah, I thought the the deal with House was uh, was really fair. Uh, yeah, it would have been better if they had signed him last year. Uh, even uh, although the, I get why they wanted to duck the tax, but they in a year when young wings are getting tons of money, they locked up House for three and a half million a year. And the Austin River signing for the minimum is an absolute coup. That's is. a guy who could have gotten a full mid-level with yep. some teams. He's a critical part of the rotation. And people that think that re-signing your own free agents doesn't count isn't paying attention. They're free agents. They can leave. They're free agents just like every outside free agent is a free agent. And going into the offseason, the odds of the Rockets being able to bring back House and Rivers – in my mind, was infinitesimal. It was so remote. And to bring both of those guys back was an incredible feat, I think, for the Rockets. Yeah. Um, so I, I, w- I was very positive on their offseason going into last week. I think, you know, we talked about Westbrook ad nauseum. Uh, Tyson Chandler addition, I think, is a really good addition. Yes, he's old, but I think some – I think Adam Clanton was uh, – said and I fully agree with them that this has a lot of uh, this reminds me a lot of when the Rockets got to Kimbe Mutombo late in his career and he turned back the clock and was a really big contributor even at an old age I think Tyson Chandler can can be a very positive contributor maybe in limited minutes but he's going to definitely help your defensive rebounding uh, gives you another lob threat uh, Anthony Bennett I think he's strictly a four, maybe even in a small ball five, but he's not a good defender. But, but like you said, he, he is a stretch four. He's got great three point ability. I, I really am impressed with how, you know, he was a total bust. I mean, quite frankly, the number one overall pick, but for him to rehabilitate himself as a player, work his way up through the G League, I think he is an NBA caliber player. We'll see if he makes the team. Uh, if he is good enough to make this team, he's an intriguing um, stretch four prospect. I think he'll compete with Gary Clark uh, mm-hmm. for minutes as the backup four. Um, I'd like to see them bring in one other option, but we'll see. But I actually think the overall Rockets offseason, as far as the player additions, has been has been really positive. So I, I, I'd like to see one more key addition via trade. But overall, I, I liked what they did in free agency. Yeah, you certainly uh, have uh, an incredible four guard lineup here with uh, you know Harden Westbrook, <laughs> Harden Westbrook on the same team, uh, Eric Gordon, and and now Austin Rivers at a bargain. So, yeah, I mean they, they've got a lot of weapons, that's for sure. How they use them is going to have to be different. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see how they make it work. I'll say that I said it with a straight face. Uh, so. Um, uh, I'm hopeful, and I like like you right now. I'm just waiting to see what you know what other piece they can add along with this trade, and I'm sure that's the holdup in making it official. So, uh, David, we'll talk some more soon. I'm sure that uh, you know we'll have this thing the the full off season wrapped up here at some point, and we'll know kind of where the Rockets stand. But I really appreciate you doing this. I know uh, you had to be the one to sort of soothe my hurt feelings over it, <laughs> but. Uh, I appreciate it, and uh, I think this, um, you know, like I said, it's got potential to work out. So we'll see where they go from here. Uh, thanks again, man, and we'll do it soon. I'll be sure to bill you for the therapy. <laughs> Sounds good.